This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Aurora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Peter Frey and I should say at the top of the hour that I am a former and very proud former employee of the Fairfax Company. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is, well, did you feel the earth move this morning? Deep and long-lasting media fault lines in this country not only moved today, but two of the major lines joined and became one, while subject to approval by the government regulator. With the opening of the stock market this morning came the announcement of the merger of Channel 9 and Fairfax. The new company, to be called Nine, is reported to be the largest media company in the country with a combined value of $4.2 billion. The media assets now under one umbrella are quite staggering. They are Channel Nine, The City Morning Herald, The Age, Domain, Stan, Nine Now, 2GB, and the list goes on and on. And that's not to mention our good friends in the regions and in the bush. While the numbers may add up for the bean counters, clearly they do, what does this all mean for media diversity and, more importantly, for journalism in this country? To discuss this, I, um, I will be joined by a smorgasbord of people to help us make sense of this rather historic day. And joining me are uh, David Skupinka, an industry analyst with Telem Media, Emily Watkins, the media editor of Crikey.com. Marcus Strom, the federal president of the Journalist Union, the MEAA. Darren Goodsir, the former Sydney Morning Herald editor. Amanda Wilson, former Sydney Morning Herald editor. Darren Davidson, the media editor at The Australian. And Tim Burrows, founder and content director of Mumbrella. Welcome, one and all. Well, uh, we're joined uh, on the Fourth Estate by Darren Goodsir, um, a former editorial supremo of, of the Fairfax Group. Hello, Darren. Thank you for your time. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, it's a slightly somber day, of course. Um, I guess not Not to, well, to start with some sentiment, but I think it's possibly a little bit more than sentiment. One of the things that's happened today, of course, is that the name uh, Fairfax, we are told, will no longer exist in the news media landscape in this country. Um, as I say, that's a sentimental thing. There's a lot of 170 plus years of history in that name. Um, and it was ended with this, these words from Greg Highwood. Uh, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for their contribution to Fairfax. I think he was talking to you and me in that as well. So um, Greg Highwood killed the name today. Um, what about the culture or, the, if you like, the legacy or the ongoing legacy of Fairfax? Is that, can that be killed so easily? 
So it is a very sad day in terms of the demise of the Fairfax name. Um, and like you perhaps, Peter, I'm dealing with a range of emotions in the wake of what is on any assessment a momentous announcement. Um, but I reflect on uh, how many times uh, people, organisations... Um, and powerful politicians and business leaders have sought to dismantle or take apart the journalistic fundamentals that have long been part of the Fairfax stable. Um, I've thought recently of the Gina Reinhart um, uh, upheaval uh, on the board and the purported takeover um, in various attempts to tamper with the with the substance that's in the newsrooms in the metropolitan cities and in the regional and country centres of Australia. And it hasn't worked to date, and I have every confidence that those fundamentals will continue under whatever ownership uh, flows from, uh, from this merger-stroke-takeover announced today. Do you think... Um what do you think it means potentially for Australian journalism? I mean, there's a lot of speculation on a day like this, of course, but what do you think it mm. means? So when thinking about this, I think about where Fairfax was when Greg Highwood assumed the leadership of the company in early 2011. Mm-hmm. And the share price got to, you know, mid-30 cents, as I recall, and it really stood on the precipice of, of collapse. And that in itself would have had devastating consequences for the diversity and the richness of Australian journalism. So for Fairfax to have survived and got itself into a position where it is even a takeover target Mm -hmm. is a remarkable achievement in a corporate sense Mm -hmm. and needs to be, I think, uh, remembered amid all of the very, very emotional um, and understandable and legitimate commentary that is that comes out on an occasion like today. Um, so the test will be whether or not uh, the journalism in both stables is able to uh, continue or hopefully, and perhaps this is a naive view, even be strengthened uh, by by such a uh, consolidation. Yeah, I mean, let's let's not get too somber in one sense. In that, I mean, Channel Nine has done some wonderful journalism, continues to do some wonderful journalism. Um, it's not as if uh, I mean, some people portray this as a sort of a, the staid uh, thinking person's uh, organisation called Fairfax being taken over by some crazy tabloid people. It's not cre- mm. it's not that really, is it? Mm. Well, like Fairfax and like most publishers these days, Nine. Uh, has a spectrum of offerings from more popular entertainment-focused content um, you know, through to very serious uh, content at times. Obviously, Fairfax is renowned for probably an overwhelmingly larger um, array of quality content. Um, and the other thing is that both companies are much more than publishers today. Mm. Um, nine facing the challenge of free-to-air and collapsing revenues in that realm has partnered with Fairfax over the last five years to enter the streaming 
mm-hmm. market and being number two to Netflix, the behemoth, is no bad thing. Well, I think, um, you, yeah, you made a fair point there that in a, Channel 9, Hugh Marks has said that Channel 9's most interested in Stan and Domain. Mm. Um, so to what two questions that flow from that, I think. One is, to what extent do you think that the floating out of Domain has played a role in this, insofar as it's showed that Fairfax is not just a bunch of uh, dead or dying, you know, uh, silly old journalism things, mm. um, and two that uh, the the success of Stan and the seeming success of Domain shows that there is, uh, if you like, a, a different culture or corporate culture uh, in Fairfax, and therefore they're not so far apart. Because when you think about, you know, uh, in the days when Packer was going to buy Fairfax, of course mm. it was this massive cultural clash that, in in large part, prevented that from happening. I'm sure there's going to be lots of cultural. Um, differences between the two stables to to surmount um, or to reconcile. There's no doubt there are massive differences between the two houses when it comes to their approach to to publishing and perhaps even in terms of corporate disposition as well. Um, and Fairfax in the last decade or so has has had to rely or find alternative revenue streams not to cross-subsidise the journalism so much as to uh, appease its shareholders who were seeking uh, legitimate returns on their investments. So firstly, the company invested in things like Trade Me, uh, then there were Stays, and then the resurrection of Domain to become a, a digital powerhouse in the real estate market. All of these things helped to I suppose, keep the wolves at bay um, mm, yeah. over the last decade uh, when it comes to the potential corporate collapse of Fairfax. Well, both you and I um, work at universities now, uh, and we come face-to-face with uh, those wonderful uh, things called students. And, um, and uh, you know, these students, younger people are seeing, and younger people in journalism are seeing these, this massive merger and, uh, and hearing people like us talk about it. How do we make them optimistic about the future of journalism in this country in the light of things like this happening? Well, I've been in the University of New South Wales for a year now, and um, the sad part of publishing in a traditional sense is that major newsrooms are becoming smaller and therefore less able to cover with as much depth and um, as comprehensively the subjects that they traditionally were able to. That's a given. Mm. Uh, I think any debate on media has to concede that. Absolutely. But there are also other organisations and individuals, universities, um, among those who are also seeking to do their bit to fill the void um, uh, created by the, you know, the collapse in the traditional business model that has underpinned uh, journalism for the last century or so. Um, so it's a different type of journalism, and um, I think it's still too early to tell how that's going to play out. Um, it's it's just different, mm. Um, mm. but certainly there needs to be strong authoritative, independent 
voices to um, to report on, to educate, uh, to inform, and to entertain. Um, you know, increasingly divergent audiences. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I'm struck by in in recent times, Peter, in journalism is traditional newspapers had uh, or an appeal that was say an inch deep and a mile wide. And I think rightly or wrongly, the digital era has provided uh, the ability to nourish audiences that are an inch wide and a mile deep. Mm. So there are incredible niches now developing in journalism to to satisfy increasingly specialist um, specialist needs. Now, whether that's enough to compensate for the decline in in in, in mass media um, is another question altogether. Yeah, no, I think you make a really very very good point, and 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 if you like to. And to be optimistic about the future of journalism, I think mm. there is there is there are lots of opportunities in in those exploring those niches and understanding audiences in a much deeper way. Just going so finally on the Fairfax uh, Nine merger, um, again speculation perhaps, but um, the talk already is of a fifty million dollar saving. Now uh, you and I have been through plenty of cost savings at Fairfax. Mm. Um, Fifty million in a merged entity of four point two billion, frankly, doesn't seem like a lot of money. Mm. What, what, you've got any initial thoughts about that? I mean, Eric Breacher, for instance, has already speculated it's more like a hundred million. Mm. Uh, you know, I, as I say, this is speculation, but uh, these are the sorts of things that people want to know because dollars equals jobs, obviously. Yeah. Well, the Fairfax story of the past nearly ten years has been a reduction in the cost base of equivalent you know, of approximately 10% per year mm. each and every year in line with the um, the commensurate decline in revenue. Um, now that this merger has taken place, you would hope that the savings would predominantly come from areas that are away from the front line of reporting, at least initially. Um, it would be fairly abrupt to see um, cuts to the journalistic elements of this merger, at least, um, you know, in the in the immediate aftermath of it actually happening, um, you would hope that the the um, that horrible phrase synergies is able to be realised in other areas to achieve those cost savings that have been highlighted in the announcement today. Yeah, no, well, let's hope so. Final final question, one for both of us, really. Mm. Uh, we can walk around and we can introduce ourselves as former Fairfax editors, but possibly in a few years' time that actually people go, what? Fairfax, what? What, <laughs> what are we going to call ourselves, mate? Uh, <laughs> former hacks, I suppose. Former but, hacks. Uh, who yes. were privileged to, uh, to work in a fantastic organisation whose... Um, DNA will hopefully uh, prevail proudly in this merged entity. Let's hope so. Darren Goodsir, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Peter. Bye-bye. So joining us now, uh, we have the wonderful Amanda Wilson, former editor of the Sydney Morning Herald, a great friend and great colleague. Hello, Amanda. Hello. Thank you for that. (laughs) Well, you deserve it all. And 
Uh, Emily Watkins, who I was about to say something wonderful about. She is wonderful. She's from <laughs> Crikey. She writes about media, and she's a regular guest on The Fourth Estate. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. It is a momentous day, and so let's kind of go with a big question first. If this merger goes ahead, uh, it will, as we all know, change the media landscape in this country forever. Uh, simple question, for better or worse, Amanda? Uh, that is a um, wait and see. Mm. Um, I think it's, you're right, it's going to change the, um, the landscape. But for me, my main concern is, will it change journalism? And will it change the journalism options that are available to people like me, who's now out there consuming, subscribing, and reading and watching? Mm. And that's, I think, fundamentally, we can't stop um, and, you know, things moving on. Mm. And as everybody who has observed media in recent times is fully aware, it's so completely different, the landscape. And globally, these kind of mergers are happening as people try to survive and continue to pay for creation of content and journalism. So really, the fundamental for me is um, I don't actually care what it looks like so long as they preserve some of the incredible culture that produces journalism at the Sydney Morning Herald has done for years, and so long as they preserve some of them um, and acknowledge that there are different markets out there and who want the content and the stories that, say, the AFR produces, as mm. opposed to what the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age produce. So, No, and I think you're right. I think you've touched it right on the button there. Emily, what do you think? Do you think the... It's, it, it is speculative, of course. I mean, the, the commentary, weighing up the country commentary so far... And, and, and acknowledging that journalists in particular are probably prone to the half-glass-empty kind of look at the world uh, would would see, point to a negative, but there could be positives in scale, surely. Well, yeah, I mean, um, that's something we've got to got to think about. You know, what would have happened to Fairfax if it if it didn't scale mm. up in in some way? You know, last last year there were. Um, talks with the two different private equity groups looking at purchasing Fairfax that didn't go ahead. So, I mean, there's always that question, what would happen if it didn't merge sure. or be um, be acquired it by... It would be a smaller Fairfax. <laughs> exactly. Ever and ever a smaller Fairfax. Exactly. Kind of yeah. yeah. And I mean, we, as Amanda said, we don't we don't really know how, how um, true it is that um, Nine is going to continue to invest in those mastheads. I mean, they might very well invest more and there might be a lot of benefits to the scale and the the advertising money that can come come in through that that scale but mm -hmm. um i mean i think any lack of diversity is always a concern and this is the key question is it it's 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 sort of whether these various mastheads as you said amanda as well these various masthead and entities under this one big umbrella are delivering different things to different people at different times in different ways all those sorts of questions but it, you look at what been happening lately at Fairfax, the really top journos um, have to work and collaborate with, for example, the ABC, mm. Four Corners, in order for them to have the resourcing to travel um, around mm. the country to do the investigations they're doing or to go overseas to, do, to cover stories. That kind of thing has been um, happening more and more, and I reckon it's one of the few reasons they're able to afford to keep people like mm. Ferguson is because of these collaborations. So you could look on the positive side and say, so Fairfax and Nine, now Nine, say, 
mm. um, are, are combining the the newsroom resources of Nine and um, the Herald, the Age, etc. Potentially, they can do some incredible work. It just means the ABC won't be collaborating. Well, yes. I mean, I'm. I'm. We, we, I don't know. No one said anything. This, but surely the ABC collaborations are over. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I think that's a real loss too. If that's if that's true, I mean, if you think about some of those those investigations, some of over the past few years have been some of the most um, mm. substantial and important investigative journalism done in this country in recent years. And I think it would be a real shame if if we were to lose that. I mean, I can't imagine some of those reports being on 60 Minutes or A Current Affair, for example. So I'm just looking at uh, the results of uh, Highwood at this, as we're talking, is talking to the Fairfax staff. He is, and I quote, independence of what we do is not under threat. What do you think of that? Live radio almost. What do I think? I think that the claims of independence at Fairfax are always marketing campaigns. And brand campaigns. Independent dot always dot. That's right. And I think nobody believes it. Um, it's um, it's proof is in the pudding with those kind of claims. Um, if you produce the goods and they, they're wonderful, they're independent, they're strong, they're great journalism and they win awards and they change things, they, they, they cause royal commissions to happen, mm. yes, that's good, that's independent. Um, so he can say that as as much and as often as he likes. I don't think people like the board of Fairfax deeply understand what we all understand when the words independent journalism are used. No, the board of Fairfax is about shareholder value and their own value. Surely it's not they're not their if, own value would be a very big thing. I'm sure some of the executives stand to profit nicely from this um, takeover. I'm, I hear I understand that. Uh, one executive who I won't name to sh- spare her blushes is going to walk out with $32 million. We should have stayed on, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> My dear Peter, we never had the uh, share portfolio. <laughs> no, we never. $32 million was never an option for us. No. Uh, no. Tell, let's talk about uh, Greg Highwood, uh, Emily. Uh, Greg Highwood will, will be re- remembered, rightly or wrongly, as the man who did what a Packer or a Murdoch never managed to do, and that is to kill off the name Fairfax. Is that a fair summary? That, do you think that's how he would be remembered? I, yeah, I can't imagine any other way he would be remembered if this, if this goes through, and even if, it, if for some reason that, like, I mean, I, I imagine it will go through. I, I think he would still be remembered for, for at least trying, <laughs> trying to do this. So, yeah, I can't imagine anything else that he would be remembered for. Mm. Which is a sad. I mean, let, putting aside, uh, let's put it his his uh, slightly cold character. Uh, he has done and he has made a great contribution to Australian journalism. To be remembered as the man who killed off Fairfax in name, possibly is a little unfair. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Emily? We'll, we'll go to, back to Amanda. Well, um, oh, no, it, it's a hard world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. most people in public life are can be reduced to one or two things that they're mostly remembered well, that's for. That's why and you need journalists, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, to explain What do you it, think, yeah. Amanda? How do you think Greg Highwood will be remembered? Well, um, because I think journalism journalists are the only people who are going to keep his name alive in any way, that's exactly how they will remember him. They will describe his, his, his efforts over the years uh, to, to keep the company profitable, which, which involved losing 5,000 staff. Um, over the last, well, I think since we left in 2012, I think they've, they've 
they've halved their staff or, mm. uh, workforce. Mm. Not that's not five thousand journalists. That's uh, entirely. No, and that figure's the, probably uh, yeah, not all journalists. Yeah, out of date. Mm. Yeah. So you know, slashing and burning, uh, constant restructures, promising promising that this is it. We care about quality. We care about independence, and this is it. This is going to make us great again. And then six months, you know, end of financial year comes and Bob's your uncle, they're having another redundancy round. They're doing another restructure. And, you know, I mean, one of, like, one of the really strong parts of Fairfax, in my view, has always been their rural and um, mm. uh, community and regional news. And, um, and I think that's one of the most important uh, parts of journalism that we, we city journos often forget, and that's the important part of of local local news gathering at a at a super local level, well, the, and he yeah. and, and and I mean I read um, not so long ago that um, private equity company was circling mm. around the Fairfax regional papers after they'd cut something like seven hundred million dollars out of that business to keep it afloat mm. uh, in the last couple of years and restructured and everything else. So Greg has been a champion of um, cutting, shrinking downsizing shareholder value and as far as I'm concerned that he's been quite successful at that but it hasn't actually done much to preserve the true value of the company which is the journalism. Yes. You think the true value of the company i.e. the journalism has survived despite him? Well that would be a way of putting it Pete and I think um, and I think it's because of the passion commitment dedication and bloody-mindedness of the mm. people who've, who not only remain at Fairfax, the journalists and the photographers and the, the artists and whoever, but also the young, the young people coming up who've joined because they believe in what it stands for. And they, um, they've been desperately um, pedalling as fast as they can to try and keep, mm. keep that side of the business afloat uh, and, you know, not always succeeding. You can't... You can't can't base a whole business on Kate McClymont and um, Adele Ferguson. You know. No, I, well, I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, you're a, a, a young, uh, a, you know, ish. <laughs> youngish, <laughs> well, young compared with me, anyway. And, dare I say it? Compared with Amanda. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, uh, uh, up and coming, uh, you know, ambitious journalist. When you see things like this, and and for you know, for people like the students I teach, is this? When you look at this and go, gee, this journalism light really is kind of on its last legs. Yeah, I think it's really demoralising. I mean, I graduated um, from my degree more just over 10 years ago, I, I suppose. And um, even then, I mean, we had very, um, un, I, I won't say uninspiring, but pessimistic, probably, um, tutors and lecturers about the future of the industry. Well, you and have if me. you. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> that, would, that would have changed it. Um, you know, about the future of the industry even even back then. And I think it's um, it, it takes a lot of passion and ambition for a young journalist to actually want to pursue a career in this industry when, you know, um, those, those um, outlets that we, that you sort of look up to um, and journalists that you look up to at outlets that are cutting and cutting and cutting can I can I finish on a little optimistic note? And Amanda sort of gave us a hint on this. I mean, out of this reorganisation, there may emerge new opportunities in the market. Uh, and there was mention, as you mentioned, Amanda, about regional 
uh, maybe being sold off. And there's talk today about the radios, of course, being sold off. It's, so, uh, Emily, sticking with you, do you think there could come out of this new players in this in, in news media and therefore there might be increased diversity? Absolutely. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out. And, I mean, in recent years there have been a lot of um, digital players, for example, that are coming onto the market in Australia, which does increase the diversity. But I think the problem with that is that you you don't have the institutional knowledge and the historical knowledge of um of sub-editors and those sorts of people on the and mm. photographers on the desks, but then you also don't have rounds people with good historical knowledge, which is incredibly important to um, not just the big mastheads, but like Amanda and you have both touched on, but the local and the regional papers as well, which Fairfax has a lot of. So, I mean, sure, there might be other opportunities that come up at for, for younger journos that have some great ideas, but I, I'm still... I find it hard to be optimistic about the future of regional and local journalism. Okay. Well, my advice to everyone is subscribe to Crikey, uh, <laughs> of course. And I, will this, do you think, just on this final point, Amanda, do you think part of this whole story, and not to get too retrospective about it, because that's the easiest thing to be, you know, yesterday's editor sort of thing, but mm. is it does it stem from either the way Fairfax gave away its content in the beginning, news at the beginning of the digital revolution, and B, whether it's got much to do with the willingness or otherwise of people to pay for news content. Look, I'm not um, blaming Fairfax at being particularly a particular failure at this because if you look around the world, it's been it's a common story everywhere. You know, they, People were blindsided by the incredible success of the platforms of Google and Facebook mm. and they no matter what you do no matter how great your content they will suck up the, the dollars the advertising mm. dollars so you know if you're a if you're an organization say you're a small arts organization and you want to promote promote an event you're going to put an ad in the weekend section of the Herald and the Age um, or are you going to uh, pay uh, a tenth of that if if it's that, that yeah. and and have uh, an ad on Facebook, and, yeah. you know, get some search engine optimization happening. Yeah. You're going to do the cheaper, more successful option, and you're going to get bums on seats at your arts event, mm. right? And you can advertise all you like in Spectrum, and you might get a um, hundred readers with grey hair. Mm -hmm. um, so not to not to do like they. Okay, they're fine. They've got yeah. money. No, they've got money. They, they buy a drink at lunchtime. At yeah, they do. They do all of those things. Um, so it's it's just happening everywhere. And I think this is an, an inevitable um, merger. And we may see others um, of similar nature forming and, and then unforming or reforming. I mean, it's just a changing world. Mm. The same way we're going to see print mastheads disappearing because do you think nine will pay the enormous costs of printing newspapers. Well, is this the death of print in terms of Fairfax, you think? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. not that many people read print anyway anymore. It's mm. like a kind of a waste of resources yeah. all round, I would have thought. Emily, but, fi yeah, final point on that is, do you think this is the death of print for Fairfax? Uh, I really hope not, but, um, yeah, I, I think we just need to wait and see. Yeah, well, there is a lot of wait and see here, and I'd, I'd like to thank Amanda Wilson, uh, former editor of the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, and for your erudite comments as ever, thank you. And I'd also like to thank Emily Watkins from Crikey for popping along to the studio and um, 
And uh, and in what is a seemingly busy day for a mediator. Thank you, Emily. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Pete. Breathless: The Death of David Dungay Jr. is a new podcast from Guardian Australia and 2SCR 107.3. It explores an Indigenous death in custody from the point of view of the family. They they didn't have to do what they done. They could just. Let him eat his biscuits. Just hours after his death, Corrective Services released a statement saying his death was not suspicious. But David's family has seen the footage. He's saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. They're saying, oh, you're talking so you can breathe. Subscribe to Breathless wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're joined now by uh, Darren Davison, the media editor from The Australian. You've had an amazing day, I'd imagine, mate. Yes, very busy indeed. This is one of the biggest media deals to happen in the local industry for some time, probably since um, Kerry Stokes and um, Seven Network did their reverse takeover of West Australian newspapers. Yeah, that's right. Um, in terms of, sort of size of the deal, dollar value and magnitude and its potential to reshape, I should say, uh, the local media industry, this is the biggest one since. And and that's that's my, I guess, my first question. It's will, if it goes ahead, and it, as, it's subject to ACCC approval, uh, but if it goes ahead, uh, this will change the media landscape in this country forever. Will it be for better or worse? Tough question, I know, and a bit speculative, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it depends on who you speak to. If you talk to advertisers, yeah. um, they would say it's, it's a positive mm-hmm. uh, development because... Um, the combined entity will have more scale and will be able to better compete with Facebook, Google, and these big tech giants making very aggressive incursions into the local advertising market. Mm -hmm. They're not only dominating the share of ad dollars, but they're taking 100% of all new investment in digital ad dollars. And as you know, all media companies are moving um, to... Uh, more into digital, and, and that's where all the growth is, and, and that's where consumers are consuming content, particularly on smartphones. So from that point of view, advertisers are happy, so mm-hmm. you could say the company um, will have a um, better chance of prospering in the future. Yep. Um, it's got more it, revenue, therefore it stands a better yep. chance of survival, of course. Yep. Yeah, but the downside, I fear, will be that they'll cut jobs and they'll cut journalist jobs, um, and and also fear for the future of print as well, yeah. at yeah. Fairfax now. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, I was actually looking at some comments by Hugh Marks a year ago. I spoke to him on the conference call this morning about the deal, mm-hmm. and he sort of skirted around that and said, well, you know, we're sort of made vague commitments to newspapers. But if you go back uh, a year ago, and I've just pulled out the comments now, he basically said, um, you know, we don't believe in print, and mm-hmm. we're not interested in print assets. Yep. Um, and he's he the new CEO, our, let's face it. And he's, he's going to be the CEO of the new entity, so that doesn't bow too well. Yeah. And, you know, if they're going to cut print, that means cutting jobs. Well, maybe, but, maybe it boils down to, and again, speculation, but maybe it boils down to, that in the end, Greg Highwood, whose, who's, you know, roots were deep in print, could it bring himself to do uh, whatever he said he was going to do a, a few times, and that was to actually kill off print, and it, it needed a hard-nosed TV guy like Marx to do it. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, I mean, I guess, I mean, this, I guess is the, the end game for Greg's strategy and I'm sure there'll be lots of stories written about mismanagement and opportunities lost. Um, yeah, yes, there'll be, be seven books to him in, in the last couple of years. He has got back behind the print newspapers mm. and you know, there was talk a few years ago about going print only at weekends and digital only during the week and he actually wrote back from that realised there was still a lot of profit left in print mm. that it was supporting the digital side of the business which doesn't monetize as well at the moment particularly with that duopoly in Google and Facebook in the market and he got back behind them and, and then he did the print deal uh, last week. Yes, that was interesting and I was wondering about that. What do you think? I mean, it seems to me that 
uh, Fairfax has done three things in the recent past that proved, made it actually, if you like, a, a, a more better suited uh, bride for nine. And they would be, you know, the deal on Stan and then the floating of Domain. And then, as you say, the last couple of weeks ago, uh, the print merger. Does, yep. All their sort of hard stuff. Do you think they were kind of key bits in making Fairfax the bride look that much more appealing to nine? Oh, absolutely. The key ones being Domain. Yeah, and unlocking all that value, whether whether spinning it off into a, a separate company on the stock market, and the print deal, and, and the print deal, the upside from that for Channel Nine is that it takes a lot of costs out of the business. Mm. I think the annualised savings are fifteen million dollars, and mm. there's no duplication on truck routes. These called print their papers in some markets. It's mainly in New South Wales and Queensland they're doing that. Um, mm. So yeah, they, they were precursors to to a deal, and I did wonder when I saw the the print deal taking cost out, whether that meant that some kind of corporate activity was imminent and we have been hearing rumors and writing stories that they were in talks. Mm. Um, but yeah, domain is, you know, as you allude to, is the, the crown jewels in this deal. And, you know, you can see how they'll promote the hell out of it with cross promotion on, on nines, you know, very highly rated television channels. And what they'll do is they'll integrate things like the block, the popular reality TV franchise mm. into mm. domain and they'll cross promote There'll be lots of editorial programming collaborations that they'll do. So, um, mm. and they just, you know, they get much bigger revenues um, from the main. It's, you know, it's double-digit revenue growth every single year. Highly profitable. I mean, the growth, growth trajectory has slowed down a bit. Yeah, well, I was lately, wondering, still wondering about that. I mean, I know it's, if you like, it's not necessarily a river of gold so much as a silver stream but uh, you know as we all as we heard today in fact that the property market in melbourne and sydney is going off isn't that a bad omen for domain yeah conversely not normally um so what what it means for a company like um, domain or realestate.com which is owned by rea group owned mm. by my company New yes. <laughs> it means that um ads stay on sites longer yeah because they're harder to sell so, um, okay. you know, sometimes a very hot market is not necessarily a good thing for these big property listing mm. portals because the ads just come off really quickly. Well, that's a, and the, and the, that's yeah, a fair point. Yeah, and the stock point. goes quickly. That's so, a very um, fair point. I'm gonna, I, might use, I might steal that point. That's a good point. Yeah. Can um, I ask you one final question? Sure. Uh, so going back to Greg Highwood, in fact, Greg Highwood will be remembered as, rightly or wrongly, I think, but he will be remembered as the man who did what a, uh, a Packer or a Murdoch never quite managed to do, and that is he killed off the name Fairfax. There's a lot of talk about the death of this actual word, Fairfax, and the values that it embodies. What do you mm. think about that? Is this yeah, a, look, a big I, loss? it's a shame to see that venerable name, the corporate name Fairfax, go. I, but I think at the same time, look, the mastheads are going to retain their names. And when a consumer buys a Fairfax paper, they don't buy Fairfax in the newsagents. They buy the Herald, or they buy the Age, or they buy the, um, the AFR. Um, whereas with Nine, I think it's probably more important for them to keep their corporate name. You know, you switch channels to Channel Nine. You, Mm. You buy nine, and that that name itself, you know, mm. is a, a very venerable name in the Australian media market. So, kind of sad, but um, I think that you know the newspaper mastheads mastheads have more um, more power than maybe the Fairfax name does in, in the local market mm, yeah, okay. in their local communities. But um, how will Greg be remembered? Um, I don't think he's going to be remembered very fondly by staff. I mean, today, as we talk now, there's um, a protest about to be organised at Fairfax by the MEAA in Cape McClymouth. They're, you know, very well-known, high-profile mm. investigations journalist who's going to be there speaking about it. She's mm. made some pretty sharp comments about Greg. Indeed. And others today, so the staff seem to be turning on him again, as they have done in the last couple of years. But, um, uh, you know, if those newspapers, you know, have a, a, you know, if this deal gives them 
a longer lease of life, then maybe, you know, um, in time, he will be looked at as someone who had to make very tough, you know, hard and fast decisions. But, um, yeah, I don't think in the short-term future he's going to be remembered in a, in a very fun way, that's for sure. I guess it won't worry him that much. <laughs> I think he's going to do quite well out of this financially. That's for sure. Yes, he certainly won't. He can sit in the sit on an island somewhere counting his money. All right, <laughs> mate. Right. Thank you so much for your time. I know we had a super busy day, and uh, and keep up the good work. Great to talk. Cheers, Peter. All right, see you, Thanks. mate. Uh, Marcus Strong, uh, uh, the federal president of the MEAA in brackets journalism section, and uh, thank you so much for joining us on this day. Thanks for having me, Peter. This is, um, well, where to start? The end of the name Fairfax is carries a lot of weight and sentiment. Um, is this the day that, in a sense, quality journalism died in this country? Or that's possibly an overstatement. But it's yeah, certainly... I think it is. But it's, it's, it's what the name represents. And what mm. the name represents is a commitment to independent quality journalism. And that's why everyone is worried about that. Is this the, the beginning of an obituary for that or... And that's really up to us. It's up to the union. It's up to our members. It's up to the public to demand investment in independent quality journalism. And that will take pressure on the government. It also takes people subscribing to uh, and and watching and consuming that sort of uh, journalism as well. Yeah, I mean, we can. There'll be lots of ways of thinking about what's happened today. From your point of view, obviously you're interested in in your members and then, and as you just said, quality journalism. Have you had any assurances from uh, any company involved in this merger from Nine or Fairfax yet? No, we have not had any formal communication with them. So, so you had no forewarning. No, despite the fact we're in the middle of an enterprise agreement discussion with Fairfax, we had no forewarning. Um, I think we've been told informally that's because of the market sensitivity around oh, it. I see, but it was announced on the Today Show, wasn't it? Um, I'm not sure. First, I uh, heard of it was uh, the lead delegate at Fairfax rang me about three minutes after it was posted on the ASX. Yes. Um, so, the, what does, just let's cut to the chase in yeah. terms of what the union wants. What does the union want now? So, right. we've ri- we have uh, written to the CEO of both companies, and we're seeking a number of assurances from them. The first one is. If the merger goes ahead or, or the takeover goes ahead, we want to make sure that the Charter of Editorial Independence applies across the merged entity. Hugh Marks from Nine has, I think, I've read on the Guardian blog, has already said that he's got no problem with that, so that's encouraging to some extent. But we want to make sure that there are no cuts to journalist jobs across mm. the combined entity, and we want to make sure there's increased investment from any savings they make into journalism. And we also want to make sure that our members' uh, pay and entitlements continue over into any new entity. Mm. Is the first step uh, from the union to call on the ACCC to block it? Or? Yes, so we're going to write to the ACCC. We want the ACCC to knock this on the head at the moment. Look, the, in December last year, Scott Morrison, the Treasurer, um, asked the ACCC to launch an inquiry into the impact that digital platforms are having on the media landscape. Mm-hmm. That inquiry is underway, so we think it's premature that for the ACCC to give the nod to a merger of this scale when it hasn't even considered the implications of what uh, digital platforms have had on the media landscape. So mm-hmm. we want that process to go through. Well, and at the same time, though, of course, on the, other, on the flip side of that, really, I suppose, is that this merger was enabled by... The legislation of changes to the cross media and the seventy-five percent rule, 
uh, that came through last year. So it's it, this is a merger that has an, arisen out of a government's legislation. Yeah, and um, the Prime Minister proudly said that this morning, that they're almost taking credit for it. Um, I think this is irresponsible. We did say this at the time, that mergers of this nature would really limit the diversity that exists in, in media, and that's that's dangerous for society. Given the sort of uh, rhetoric that is floating around the world at the moment and the way media is being manipulated, uh, it is more important than ever to have strong, robust uh, newsrooms. Uh, amen to that. I, I, I guess just to play devil's advocate for a second, you could argue that, potentially you could argue, that it is better to have... Uh, as it were, emerge nine Fairfax, even though it'll just be called nine. Uh, better to have one good, strong one than two weak ones. I mean, that's essentially what mergers are all about, right? Well, the devil will be in the detail of the merger, won't it, as to whether the strength will continue in newsrooms. The fact that nine has said it's most interested in domain and stan, and journalism really didn't get a mention, is is a is a big worry. That if journalism is not front of mind for this merged company, um, it says a lot about their priorities for investment. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess, as you say, the devil will be in the detail. Uh, the, the room, the, Already they've talked about, you know, reductions in costs of about $50 million. In a $4.2 billion merger, $50 million doesn't seem like a lot of money. Um, and uh, someone, uh, Eric Beach has already penned a quick piece for Crikey saying, don't believe 50, believe more like 100. So, um, and where do those jo- where does that, where do you make savings? I mean, as you know, and as I know, Fairfax has gone through multiple redundancies and cost cuttings over the last uh, eight to ten years. In fact, further back than that, um, is there any more fat to be cut in something like Fairfax? Was it ill? No, of course not. There's, um, I mean, if they cut any more, it's into bone, muscle, and the soul of the newsroom. Mm. And that's and just on that point, the final point maybe is. Yes, the culture of Nine and Fairfax. I mean, Fairfax is a proudly independent journalistic culture. I'm not saying that Nine isn't, but they are different companies. Do you think this marriage can work on that level? Well, we have to make it work if it goes ahead. I mean, that's just essential. And there's nothing wrong with Nine and Fairfax having different cultures. They've got different markets. They've got different audiences. And Nine has a a good tradition of good journalism. And we don't we want the uh, culture of the nine newsroom to continue and to be invested in and to for it to be a player in the market with a separate culture and identity and, and role to play, Fairfax does something different. And we would hope that the Herald and the Age and the Canberra Times and all the regional papers and um, digital platforms that Fairfax run, they will be able to retain their independent cultures and so that nine does what it does um, or the, the 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 nine newsroom as it was will yes. do what nine it does. TV. Sixty minutes does what it does. Yep. And um, the the rest of it um, continue as well. And I'll, we haven't heard yet any commitments around that. And, and that's what we'll be putting to the companies. Okay. Well, final question before I let you go. And thank you for your time. Uh, you've had many many clashes with Greg Highwood. Will you be sad to see him go? Oh, it's not particularly personal for me, Peter. Um, <laughs> okay. And I don't think. Uh, Greg, I mean, I don't know if Greg's going to retire. He'll certainly have enough money to retire on mm. um, when he gets his golden handshake off the board. Uh, but, yeah, it's not a personal thing for me. It's about democracy. And it's about diverse media diversity and about the wages and conditions of our members. 
Marcus Strom, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, joining me in the studio is David Skopinka from Telemedia. Hello, David. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm great. I mean, we're all like you. Uh, we're all absorbing the uh, impact of this uh, historic day, this merger between Channel 9 and Fairfax Media. Um, Telem sits uh, kind of above the industry. How's it going down in uh, I mean, the early days, but how's it going down in the industry, do you think? It certainly is a fascinating day. Uh, we're already seeing a lot of journos, particularly in Fairfax, uh, quite concerned for, for what sort of the next steps are. But mm. sort of taking it back a couple of steps, there's yep. a, as you say, there's a long way to go. Um, we've all heard the Fairfax brand is disappearing uh, mm. pretty soon. That's a pretty momentous uh, occasion in Australia, not no, necessarily it's, in a good it's way. 150 years plus, and suddenly there will be no Fairfax. That's right. I mean, you know, there, w- there clearly could have been an option to have Fairfax as a division within nine that clearly wasn't taken uh there's going to be reasons for that um i think there's a lot of talk about how this is going to impact journalism as an industry that's obviously where Telem sits and that's what we look at um on the one hand you can kind of say these mergers always end up with efficiencies uh which is really just code words for job, job losses yes, job exactly losses, yes. um however on the upside you do have channel 9 uh which does invest in content you may not necessarily always like that content but they are a content driven business more not so much journalism content though do you think well it's interesting in the investor call after the announcement this morning mm. Hugh Marks the CEO actually said that 60% of the 9 lineup uh is news and current affairs that's on the original free-to-air and linear television as opposed to Stan uh, and the uh, the digital channels. Mm. Um, so that was a really interesting number. I actually hadn't heard that before. And it is, you know, when you put all of the airtime together, that's quite a lot. Um, the interesting thing is going to be, you know, where they can find cost saves and where they can uh, not duplicate creating news. Uh, early days, but where do you see... Uh, or what's the talk, if you like, about where those cost savings could be? Well, I think we all have to look very closely at the print operations uh, of of the mastheads. Um, you mean they may no longer be print? Correct. Um, it's really interesting. In the press release that was sent out by Nine, uh, when you look at the Sydney Morning Herald masthead that they've got in the diagram of what's going to be left, it's actually only smh.com.au not Mm. SMH. There is the age. Um, So that's quite interesting. Um, So we've got to look there. The other one that was also flagged and that's been talked about for quite a while, even before this merger, is the regional operations. There was a, there's actually been rumours flying around that News Corp and Fairfax will both sell their regional operations to a third party uh, to be operated separately. Mm. Um, regional media is probably one of the most important media uh, groups in Australia. Um, it provides a really fantastic community service, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Uh, and then uh, New Zealand, which most Australians wouldn't consider, but actually Fairfax is quite a big media owner yeah. in, in New Zealand. Massive, massive. There's yeah, already been moves to spin off their uh, New Zealand arm. However, uh, it was flagged this morning that there may be new plans afoot. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. So if you want to keep working for Fairfax, you have to go across the ditch. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just qu- quickly, and thank you so much for coming in at such short notice. Um, who do you think, just talk about perso- personalities for a second, because I know Talon keeps a very good and very excellent close eye on personalities. Uh, Helen McCabe, for instance, uh, the, the, the editorial director of 9.com.au, she would strike me as a big winner in this, potentially. Would you, what's your thought on that? 
as you say, very early days. Yes. However, Helen um, is one of the best media operators that I've ever come across. I actually met Helen years ago, just after I came out of uni, and I did some work with her while she was at the Sunday Telegraph. She was the mm. deputy editor there. Mm. Um, she's one of those journalists who has managed to work across almost every type of medium there is mm. and has become an expert of pretty much every single one. Mm. And everything she touches seems to turn to gold. So okay. you're probably right. So what do you think then on the flip side of that coin, if Helen's a big winner in the digital space, uh, in news and current affairs, uh, Fairfax, you know, as I well know, and, you know, obviously as an ex-Fairfax editor, uh, has a habit of knocking off uh, senior editors. Um, do you think there's, how's James Chessel feeling today, do you reckon? Look, I don't know specifically the individuals. Um, obviously, they they have some phenomenal talent there. You've got Lisa Absolutely. Davies, uh, you know, uh, James Chessel, um, you know, all those kind of people. Daniel Cronin up in Brisbane. Yep. Um, you've got some phenomenal talent there. The question is going to be, what does Nine already have in place? Yes. And where don't they need people to, okay. to do that? Um, you know, it's and it's not just that. You know, you take it down a couple of levels and you look at the press gallery, yeah. for example. Um, both both operations have some fantastic talent there. Are they going to need both? Don't mm. know. Um, you know, you've seen experiments around Australia and around the world of newsrooms going multi-platform and, you're, you know, having uh, newspaper journalists try and do television, for example, mm. doesn't always work that well for lots of different reasons, very different skills, mm. different uh, requirements in terms of the type of talent. Yep. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if they do go down that path of making all journalists multi-platform or if they just simply try and keep different brands and segment for their marketing or the advertiser audience. Okay, final question. Do you think this is the end of it? I mean, we are in a converged world, as you just said. Uh, this is the first merger that comes following the changes to the cross-media laws and the 75% rule. Is this just the beginning? 100%. This is the firing shot. Uh, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of uh, consolidation in the media industry. Um the, the, there were big questions around whether seven and nine, sorry, seven was going to take yep. Fairfax or nine was going to take Fairfax. So this is interesting. Uh, not sure where seven's going to be looking. Perhaps Southern Cross or Stereo, for example. Um, that's an option. Um, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, but this certainly isn't the end. Um, and you do also have to consider, uh, perhaps Seven's balance sheet might not support it, but you do have to consider whether Seven would consider a counteroffer at this point. Um, start okay. a bit of a bidding war. Interesting. Um, okay. On that point, we'll leave it. Thank you so much for coming in, David. Thanks, Peter. So joining us now is Tim Burrows, the founder and content director of Mumbrella. And uh, sign up and catch Mumbrella. It's a fantastic site. Um, Tim, on the weekend... You wrote a very interesting piece about Fairfax in which you said, quote, it's turned the corner. Is this what you meant? <laughs> yeah, you've got to be careful what you predict sometimes, <laughs> haven't you? Particularly as in that piece, I also uh, had un unkind things to say about futurists as well. Yes, you do. I think from shareholders' point of view, Fairfax yeah. shareholders, this looks like pretty good news. You know, they're, they're finally, those who sort of stuck it out since the GFC, have finally mm. seen the, uh, the share price come back up to what it was. And, and then, of course, getting quite a big dividend from nine as a result of this. Let's not even call it a merger. It's a takeover. That doesn't necessarily mean it's good for, for readers or the public interest or journalists. What's your take on those last two groups? I mean, perhaps too early to tell. 
commentary so far has been broadly negative about that, but I guess you would expect that. Uh, is this a good moment for, you know, loyal those loyal Fairfax subscribers who don't really wouldn't really have that much in common with Channel Nine people, really? Yeah, and look, and I suppose over the years you have to remember that Fairfax has has often owned brands which don't really talk very much to each mm. other. So you know, right now, for instance, we you know we have that slightly strange situation where we've we've had effectively the Sydney Morning Herald being stable mates with Two GB, mm. two two brands which couldn't couldn't have less to do with each other really mm. in terms of how they think about the world. Um, so that's not that, that you know that's that's not always been the strangest of things. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, the question journalists will be asking themselves is, will we see some merged newsrooms? You know, yep. will we, you know, will, is it that likely that when there's a press conference, one journalist will go from Nine and another journalist will go from Fairfax, for instance? Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll, 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 you'll see some, you know, the word being used, I'm sure, with synergies or efficiencies. And, and, and again, people might look towards West Australia where we've seen um, uh, Seven West Media who, own obviously Channel 7, but also the West Australian newspaper, create a whole new merged single newsroom model. So wouldn't surprise me to see that. In terms of timing, it's interesting. We've, we've already had Fairfax had already said that they were giving up their headquarters uh, mm. uh, in, in a very symbolic way. They're actually handing over the space to Google. And of course, at the same time, we've got nine moving into new he- headquarters in North Sydney um, in the next uh, just over a year's time. So of course, the question as well, is there room for both uh, both newsrooms in the one place? And mm. Room for half a floor of Fairfax journals. Yes, exactly that. Yes. What, what do you make I of think, the death of the name Fairfax? If you were to speak to most journalists, who, yes, I'm sure they thought of themselves as working at Fairfax, but first of all, they thought of themselves as working for the Sydney Morning Herald uh-huh. or the Age or the AFR. You know, in recent years, it's become more of a unified marketing brand, and a little uh-huh. bit more than that. And it's already always over the years, you know, stood for quality journalism and independence, but the mastheads are the brand that has mattered the most. Yep. So therefore, uh, yes, people like me can still call themselves an ex-Sydney Morning Herald editor. Exactly, you know, and, and you know, if we look around the world, you know, the, the sheer number of newspapers that have changed hands over the years, you know, people look back and, and certainly if they've worked, they feel nostalgic for the masthead. Mm. So look, it's, it's absolutely a sad day that they... You know, a sad day for the, um, the, the the surviving Fairfax family as well. I'm sure, mm. but um, but you know, the the I guess the the reassuring thing for for lovers of of the mastheads and readers of the mastheads is it's not that long since the joint printing deal was, uh, which just a couple of weeks actually was locked in with News Corp. You know, yeah, well, that brings up that question: Is this the death of print? Look, I, I personally sincerely hope not. Uh, you know, yeah. It felt to me like the agreements over uh, more efficient printing contracts, which effectively see in some states News Corps doing all the printing and in others the former Fairfax doing all of the printing, uh, probably guarantees that there's a, that there's a kind of extended life for newspapers rather than a, mm. than a shrinking one. Um, but at the same time, of course, you know, I'm sure that one of the reasons that we've seen Nine's share price go down today is that investors in Nine aren't necessarily that keen on a legacy uh, medium like print. And they maybe missed the news in Umbrella that there was a print merger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so we, you know, we we we, we see the these the, the sort of mergers going on, mm. um, and of course the other thing to 
take into account is um, we don't yet know what view the ACCC will take on it as well. Well, indeed, indeed. Although, I mean, look, this is entire speculation, but the, this merger, as, as we all know, is a child of the changes in the legislation uh, last year. Uh, long discussed, long held. Paul Keating has called this merger a terrible thing. Uh, but the the laws of the world of the of the game have changed, and so therefore, uh, isn't this just, in a sense, the enactment of the spirit of those laws? Yeah, you're completely right. So the rules used to be that uh, it was a two out of three rule. You could mm. be in print, you could be in, in TV, you could be in radio, but you uh, and you could be in two out of those three, but not all three. So the uh, you know Keating's famous saying was you'd be the prince of print or the queen of screen. Mm. You, know, you could uh, you 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 could choose. So we've seen a couple of big sort of media mergers in the out-of-home space, which weren't so much covered by these laws, but everyone was waiting for the first big move. And now that we've seen that move happen, then now it's, well, let's wait and see what happens when uh, when, 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 when Seven and News Corp take a look at what it means for them. Mm, okay. So do you think overall, um, final question, overall, do you think this is a a positive day for the media landscape or not? Mm, mm. That's a very difficult question. Yes. And I don't honestly think we will know for some time. Yeah, I suppose if, if journalists are going to take any comfort at all and, and other employees, it's that they're going to find themselves in, in the hands of an employer who wants them. I think um, we'll see journalists, particularly in the regional press of the likes of News Corps, who might see themselves in the hands of private equity, mm. whose business model is about cutting costs, may find themselves with a slightly less loving owner, but you know, at least they're in the hands of a company that believes itself to be in the business of news and sport and lifestyle. And that broadly is what those newspapers deliver. Okay. And on that note, Tim Burris, thank you for your time and thank you for your, your erudition on this very busy day. My pleasure. Thanks, Tim. That's it from us on Fourth Estate on this very um, important and somewhat historic day in the news media landscape in this country. I'd like to thank the many guests we've had, including David Skopinka from Telem Media, Emily Watkins from Crikey, Marcus Strom, Federal President of the MEAA, that's the Journalism Union, Darren Goodsir, a former editor of the Sydney Morning Herald, Darren Davidson, the media editor at The Australian, Tim Burrows, founder and content director on Umbrella, and last but by no means least, Amanda Wilson, a former editor of the Sydney Morning Herald. It's been a very big day in the media landscape. Join us next week when Anthony Docker will be in the host seat uh, for another rousing edition of Fourth Estate. Make sure you've subscribed to the Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app so you can hear us talk media politics and a few things in between at your leisure and as i say we'll be back next week but in the meantime you can stay in touch with us on facebook or twitter our handle is fourth estate au my name is peter Frey. thank you very very much for listening (laughs) 